Welcome to the Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and on today's podcast, we have a musician, a songwriter, man owns his own uh, record label, all-around good guy, Mr. Dan Flanagan. Dan, thanks for being with us. How's it going? It's going great. Our listeners probably could understand by now that you are on the phone and not here in the studio. That is because you live in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll get to why a little bit later, but let's just jump right in. I remember your band, The Schematics. This is going back 1992, 93. When did The Schematics start? Well, The Schematics actually started a little bit later than that. It was actually, we started in 97. Was it that late? Yep. That's when the band started. It was in 97. Well, whenever it was, it was, you know, 22 years ago or something. My memory isn't yep. what it used to be. But I remember that well. You guys played out all the time. You were a fairly well-known band. What type of music was that? Was it was it ska music? Yeah. Yeah, we were an AP ska band. Explain to our listeners that may not know, what is ska exactly? Well, ska is... Um, it's actually something that started in the 1960s. Um, in the 19, in 1969, a band called the Scatolites, uh, kind of, kind of spearheaded ska. Um, ska actually predates reggae, which most people don't know. Um, but anyway, to make, to, to, to layman the whole thing without a history lesson, um, ska essentially, the ska that we played was if you took Jamaican reggae, sped it up, and gave it like a punk flavor, uh, most ska bands, especially in the late 90s boom uh, of it, had uh, horns involved and, and things like that, and we did as well. Well, there was a lot of original music going on up to that point, and then it kind of just dropped off the map, original tunes in this area. I've said right. many many times on this show that if you weren't in a country band or a cover band of some sort, you really couldn't make it very easily in this area. I've been playing original music since the 80s, but the heyday of original music in my mind was like 91 through 95. You caught the tail end of that. Then it just kind of dropped off. Why did it drop off, do you think? Well, you know, when we were playing, we caught the tail end of it because it was that tail end from, I'd say, like 94... Um, all the way till about 2000, give or take, 2001, that ska and pop punk um, became a big thing. Um, it all started with the whole Green Day boom and, and all that stuff, Blink-182 and all that uh, things. And then on the ska end of it, bands like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and um, No Doubt uh, were like starting to get really big. Yeah. Uh, so we, we kind of came around right in that correct time uh, where we were able to kind of get a, a, a nice following in the area because we were one of the few folk ska bands in the area. And ska was getting full radio play and MTV exposure and all that stuff. You know, once ska, once all that stuff died out, I feel like that music scene that was really doing well started to die out as well. So Yeah, I remember that. It was sad because there were a lot of really good original bands, and then all of a sudden they just kind of dried up, and there was less places to play, and it just kept descending from there. Ska music, I always heard that it originated in New Orleans. Do you, do you know much about the history of ska? Yeah, it originated in Jamaica. Oh, in Jamaica. Okay, just like reggae. In Jamaica. Yep. Well, like I said, ska predated reggae. Right, so the original ska band, which was Scatolite, they predated what was called reggae at the time. It was actually called ska and rocksteady first, and that morphed into reggae. 
uh, from there. Well, I don't know. I like ska. It's not as popular as it once was. It was kind of a trend in this country for a while, probably around that time. Like you said, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, I like them too. Have you ever heard ska Natra? I've heard, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard all those bands. Yep. I think they're from Jersey. I always got a kick out of them because they just did all Sinatra tunes with ska music. And and I thought it was kind of brilliant, actually. You know, all this talk of uh, ska, uh, particular the schematics, I'd like to hear something just to give our listeners an idea of what your band sounded like. Can, Can we listen to a little something? Absolutely. Let's play something. So that's Ska from the late 90s, local Ska. Dan Flanagan, you're singing lead on that song, I believe, correct? Correct. You know, you also started a label, Acoustic Fury Records. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. Acoustic Fury Records, where does that name come from? Man, the whole label started in in 2006. I literally was homesick for like three days straight from work, and I got bored, so I decided I'm going to start a label. (laughs) Um, It was literally, that's it. And I knew I wanted to be kind of an acoustic-based label because I was starting to really get into like kind of underground acoustic punk music and things like that at the time. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? I mean, I'll just call it acoustic something. The Fury thing, I was actually in the midst of reading a Nick Fury comic book. Nick Fury from so, Marvel Comics. Marvel, from Marvel Comics. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, acoustic Fury. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> so at the time, I was homesick for those few days. Uh, started, this will date it, started a MySpace page uh, for it. <laughs> ah, MySpace, I remember that. <laughs> yep, and uh, and it all started from there. 
um, and started working uh, with the band that I was in at the time, you know, obviously releasing that, which was 100% used, and then started releasing, you know, just, just some other not well-known local acoustic acts and any buddies of mine who were doing any kind of music based on an acoustic guitar, I was putting out that stuff as well. So, You know, you've always had very eclectic tastes and the music that you write and perform really do reflect your eclectic tastes. I'm wondering, what is it that you consider your music? Or when somebody says, oh, you're a musician, what do you what do? you do? What kind of music do you play? Is there something standard you tell people? Is it punk rock? Is it ska? What is it that you do? I mean, I do whatever I'm in the mood to do at the time, I guess. That's what I like about you, Dan. I, I like that I, aspect of, of your uh, personality and your music is that... You're into a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's all very creative. I always saw you kind of as a punk rocker to, to some degree, but we'll get to why I think that later. That being said, let's talk about punk for a second, because I'm a big punk rock fan myself. Punk rock is very rangy. I mean, nowadays, I don't really like a lot of the punk that comes out. It's just sounds like heavy metal to me. But the punk that I like from the late 70s, early 80s, Bands like the Psychedelic Furs and the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Violent right. Femmes and all of that stuff. I, I love that suicidal tendencies. To me, that was the punk that really caught my attention. I was a big Elvis Costello fan since 1985, and that's when he was still punk. So, yeah, and that and that kind of classed up punk a little bit. I thought it, it had such an intelligent edge to it, and and it was about the lyrics as much as the raw music. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when when punk first started uh, in the '70s and even late '60s, some people would would argue, you know, that bands like the MC5, were yeah, the uh, Fred started, Sonic Smith started, and the MC5, sure. But started as that kind of fast, aggressive, some some of that glammy kind of feel in it in there a little bit, depending upon the group. Uh, Leftover um, from the the uh, '70s, David Bowie and David Johansson and the New York Dolls and stuff like that. Alice yeah, Cooper exactly, even to some degree. Exactly. So you started getting some of that, and then the Ramones hit, and that's when it kind of all changed. Was it started getting more aggressive? It started getting more whatever. And then in the '80s, you got the whole hardcore punk movement thing, and that's when it really started becoming more lyrical, lyric based, you know, and more um, political. Uh, you know, a message was being put forth more. And, you know, when the Sex Pistols hit, I guess that's really when it started becoming a little more political. But then New York Hardcore from there kind of, and PC and all those places, you know, really took it to a whole different place you know, of aggression as well as uh, lyrically. It sure did. You know, you mentioned the Ramones. They really were a game changer in the punk world. They really set the standard for what punk was at that time, late 70s, early 80s. The Ramones were, I don't know where they're from, if they're from San Francisco or where they're from, but Joey Ramone lived around here. Some of the other Ramones lived around here in Woodstock, and people would see them in this area quite a bit, and they became somewhat of a staple of the Hudson Valley to some degree. Yeah, I mean, the Ramones were a New York band. They, that's where they, they got you know their start. So. Oh, they're from New York. I didn't realize that. Yeah. CBGB's, yeah. right. I mean, that yeah. CBGB's was that big punk club that every every classic punk band kind of came up through and then they were kind of filtered out into what was later called new wave bands like blondie and the talking heads and you know stuff like that television television one of my favorite albums probably of all time is marquee moon by television it's just a brilliant oh, album. Yeah. 
And to me, that album is so intelligent, but it's it's musically intelligent. I, mean, I can't even really understand what the words are on the whole album, but musically, it's like punk rock classical music in a way. Right. Are you a fan of television? I enjoy television. I mean, that, that era of, of bands were great. Just television and Wire and, and all those bands were, were pretty cool. So a little more experimental in their uh, approach. You were in a band, well, in a band. You started a band kind of near and dear to my heart called Bad Horse. Would you say Bad Horse was a punk band, or how would you categorize Bad Horse? When we were doing the whole Bad Horse thing, we, we called it Cow Punk, uh, mainly because we had no other thing to call it. It had its moments of, of country feel, but it was extremely aggressive. We, we, had, we had two things. It was like, we, we called it Cow Punk just because it was so, it was kind of a layman term, very easy to understand. Right, cow punk. We had been, been called aggressive Americana. <laughs> aggressive well, Americana. Like, That's hysterical. But at the same time, it fit, you know. Cow punk seems to say it perfectly. Where does the name Bad Horse come from? There's a short, ridiculous musical film by Joss Whedon called uh, Dr. Horrible's Sing-Along Blog. Mm-hmm. And the main antagonist, but one of the characters uh, that was kind of the head honcho a bad guy was called Bad Horse, and he was literally just a horse that looked pissed off. Well, I was like, that's a great name. If we're going to do this type of music, that's a perfect name for the damn thing, you know? I think so, um, too. You know, there were three members in Bad Horse. I think the there was you, um, the bass player was um, Sean Charnica, is that correct? Yes. He was an original member as well. And then you had Andrew Struinsky on guitar, correct? Correct. He was the original guitar player. He was replaced later by a guy we all know and love named Rick Z. Correct. Correct. That's one of the reasons I love Bad Horse. But I'll tell you something else. I was not Rick Z in your band, was I? I guess I should explain to the audience what we're talking about. I yep. decided to take on an alter ego I called Vinyl. And the idea behind Vinyl you was... It, almost forgot about how can you forget about vinyl such a charismatic that, fellow oh such a such a yeah oh my god that's amazing <laughs> vinyl yeah well I mean, vinyl was the opposite of me vinyl didn't even like music vinyl's backstory was that he was a scientist and he was kind of a social misfit and he wanted to do some research in his lab into the field of sonics and sound waves and things like that. So he taught himself how to play music mathematically, and he joined a punk rock band to do some research into sound waves. He didn't particularly like music or people or anything like that, and he wore these glasses. I say he, I'm obviously speaking about myself, I wore glasses. Right, that, of course. That's ironic enough just wearing glasses but i remember i used to wear this t-shirt a black t-shirt with a sound bar on it with a battery pack in my back pocket and when we would play the music the lights on my shirt it would light up and the lights would pulsate to the beat of the music i thought it was the coolest shirt ever i don't know what happened to it that was a great experience i loved working on that material and being i was in that band with you for two years we played all kinds of strange and interesting gigs all over the place and we had practices at nine o'clock in the morning like an hour away from here we'd you know i'd have a gig with my other bands uh maybe on a Saturday night, and then I'd have to get up real early and we'd drive to practice at Sean's house and we'd play punk rock on a Saturday morning for three hours. I'm sure you remember yeah, that. Good times, man. Quick check. 
Good times. Quick memory. I, I'll get your take on this. I remember uh, Sean had just broken his wrist or something like that, and he yep. was able to do the gig. We were playing in Cooksaki, New York. It was a really interesting gig because after a certain time in the night, all these Mexicans came in, and they were all over the place, drinking their beer, dancing to the music, and spilling their beer all over the floor. And this one Mexican guy slipped on the beer, and he fell backwards and hit his head on the corner of the stage or something, and he was just like out like a light, and they just kind of picked up his body and dragged it away. And Yeah, I mean, we literally like stopped mid-song because the thud was so loud. I mean, the thud was louder than us, which is really yeah, yeah. Im impressive. And I remember also when he fell over, he knocked over the speaker next to me and it started to topple over on me. And Sean went to brace it, you know, like you would child in the car seat next to you when you put on the brakes. It was yeah. like one of those moves. And I believe he rebroke his wrist doing that. Yeah. Yeah, because he had it broken. Well, that was actually the same. We played two gigs that weekend. That was a weekend that was a total mess because we played that gig. At Cask and Rasher. That's right. In Kuxaki. Yep. We played there that night. And then the next day was when we had to wake up butt crack early in the morning and go play hard scrabble with the tubes. The opening for the tubes. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, and that weekend was the weekend that on that tubes gig, the next morning I woke up, I had to wake up extra early and go to emergency uh, one or one of those places to get my ears flushed. Because I had clogging in my ears. I, I forgot all about that, but I remember that now. It's funny what you forget. Yep. Well, it was a great experience playing in the band, I thought, because I got to work on stuff I ne never normally would have worked on. And what what are some of the groups that we covered? We, I know we covered Concrete Blonde and Sonic Sonic Youth or something. Well, um, we covered Concrete Blonde. We covered, oh, God, we covered um, Social well, Distortion. Social Distortion, that's what I was thinking of. We covered... Um, we cover everything from Bob Marley to Elvis Costello. Yeah, we did some Elvis. Yep, we covered Elvis Costello. We covered Flogging Molly. Flogging Molly, that's right. Yep, and uh, we covered, I mean, we covered a ton of stuff. I think we We're did, all over the map with the covers. We did Creedence Clearwater Revival and Bob Dylan, but we did our really fast kind of punk versions of them. Right, and also the, um, what you call it there, uh, da, 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 you know, the, the, uh, Johnny Cash tune, you know. Oh, that's right. We did Folsom Prison Blues. Yep. Uh, yep. Well, hence Cowpunk. Right. Right. I mean, the so. people that got us, I think, really got us, and they really enjoyed it. I know some people that come to the gigs that really liked it. Other people, you know, when you play in some redneck dive somewhere at, at midnight and people are used to listening to Freebird on the, the uh, jukebox, y you get all kinds of strange reactions. I remember one guy, and you were you were really good, by the way, because, you know, sometimes we just got no reaction. We just got silence. And, and you just kept going. You were very professional. You weren't thrown by it. You, were just, you just kept going and, and trying to get people into it. And I remember this one time, you said we got no reaction after a song and you said well what do you guys want to hear what do you want to hear and one old guy at the end of the bar stands up and he says how about silence and I, <laughs> I just thought this is this is not going to go well i think that was in fishgill new york where we were playing and there's other yep. other moments and gigs that i can remember that i can't even talk about right now during the podcast so we'll, we'll just leave that very interesting, by the way, Dan. I know that you're a comic book fan and a, you, you, a horror movie aficionado. How has that informed the music that you write? It always does, man. I mean, you know, I write 
random stuff about random things. I mean, a lot of songs that I write, I mean, as you well know, most of the stuff that I wrote on Bad Horse was either, you know, personal, you know, life, uh, you know, love songs and, and, and little things out of experiences in life. And it all depends on the band that I'm in. Some of the songs are completely uh, influenced by that. Like, I have a, we have one song called Geek and Me that's all about, like, comic books and, and, like, how, like, you know, my relationship dynamic because of my love for comic books but also trying to not completely, you know, turn off my fiance because I'm a I'm a total nerd. <laughs> and then there's another song that I wrote about Ed Gein, the serial killer Ed Gein. Yeah, correct. I wrote it about if Ed Gein had started a Tinder account if he was still alive, and it's called Ed Gein Swipe Left. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great title. Like so, stuff like that. You know what I mean? We have very little time left in this episode. I hope that you'd be willing to join us next week. Absolutely. We, we can continue this discussion. Well, we have a, a few minutes left. What I'd like to do is listen to a little Bad Horse. Before we do that, though, what was the song that I wrote that we would do? There's a couple. There was? The one that we did, the one that we did consistently was Nice White Couch. Oh, Nice White Couch. That's right. Great. You did a great job with that, by the way. Way, way better than my version. I love that song. Now, there is, actually, if you look on YouTube, there's actually a live version of us doing that song. Um, I, did, I didn't know that. Out there. Yes, that's out there. But don't forget the other song that you wrote that we played three times out, and we're like, nope, we're done with this, called Martial Law. Martial Law, that's right. I forgot all about forget that. forgot about that one. <laughs> so let's listen to a little Bad Horse. You've got me in a Bad Horse mood. I'd like to hear something. What are, what are we going to hear? There's a, a filmmaker in, in Minneapolis. Uh, who does, speaking of the horror movies and stuff like that, um, who does these B-grade uh, horror flicks. They're very throwback kind of films, and he's, he's great. It's a lot of fun. We did two covers from two of those movies. And then we also, uh, you and I, Rick, and or Vinyl, depending upon how we want to put that. I, th I think wrote, the truth can come out now. Okay. Wrote and recorded a song for one of his movies that ended up uh, as the end credit uh, for a movie called Late Night Double Feature. I remember that. That's right. You and I ended up, you know, Sean was not able to make it to that recording session. So you and I ended up doing all the, the recording and everything, and we couldn't get a good drum sound for some reason. So you started tapping on the bottom of a snare drum, and it sounded amazing. Right, with my fingers. Yeah, with your fingers. And it sounded like That's somebody sitting at a kit. It sounded great. And then I ended up doing, like, really bad Casio keyboard bass uh, for the song, which also turned out quite good. So, I mean, we could play that one. That's a good tune, you know? Okay, why don't we do that? Late Night Double Feature. Late Night Double Feature is the name of the song. And just again, for our listeners, so you know, this is part of a movie... Uh, Christopher Mim made this movie, a director who did a lot of B-films, as uh, Dan just said. And this is underneath the credits that roll at the end of Late Night Double Feature. And it seems totally out of place. I watched the movie and the credits roll, and it's totally out of place. It just comes out of nowhere. But I love the song. I just love it. And, and I love how you wrote it, Dan, because you included every character from his films uh, that, that he ever had, I think. Yeah, at the, up to that point, yeah. Let's take a listen to it. Space. Will they battle 
Well, there's a blast from the past. Wow. It still sounds cool to me. Dan, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. You did say you'd be willing to come back next week? Absolutely. No problem. That's great because we got a lot more to talk about. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, produced and engineered by Rusty Johnson. Come on back next week and hear part two with Dan Flanagan. See you then. Thank you.